Hi, Hi everyone. everyone. I'm John. And I'm Georgia. And we're here inside your ears to talk about the mac and cheese of movies. This, this is, is Comfort, Comfort Films. Films. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Comfort Films podcast. This is episode 27, where we're going to talk about the classic musical Singing in the Rain, one of our favorites here in this house. Can't tell you how many times we've watched it. Always makes me smile. It's a great, great movie. It's a great filmed musical. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it is one of the best. And, you know, AFI agrees. They have it as their number one. I agree with them. Best film musical of all time, which I think is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of stiff competition there. There's some tough ones. I mean, we've been looking at some musicals the past few weeks on our podcast, but there's so many more out there. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the most traditional one we kind of talked about so far. I agree. It's like a sing and dance, you know, kind of movie with like the love story and it's flashy and colorful and lots of costumes and has that energy that yeah. I associate with a musical. Yeah, that's that's what I like the most about this. It puts some pep in your step. Yes, you I know? mean, everyone in it is like at the top of their game. Mm -hmm. They're super amazing athletes, really. Yeah. You know, doing all of this crazy dancing. Gene Kelly is definitely my favorite of all the great dancers. Mm -hmm. I mean, Fred Astaire is great. I know the two of them always get compared even though they really have a completely different style. Yeah. Um, but they're kind of like the two top names in movie dancing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Gene Kelly just is over the top for me um, in the number one position because he's so athletic. He's just dances with his entire body. Yeah. Even his face, you know? <laughs> I mean, you look at a number like, uh, like uh, Good Morning, Yes. Where they're doing, like, the mugging, you know, like, his face is active while he's dancing. He, It's like he knows what he's doing all the time, and it's very impressive. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, he is the one that choreographed and was in charge of all the dance numbers. Yes. Because absolutely. he shares directing credit with Stanley Donan, just like he did back on On the Town. Yes. I don't know if they had a similar arrangement with directing duties that he would handle the music numbers, the dance numbers. I'm not sure with that one. I mean, and On the Town has another connection that we were talking about to Singing in the Rain, which is that the writers... Um, where Betty Comden and Adolph Green, yeah. a writing team that worked together for, ended up working together for like 60 years. Wow. Um, On the Town was like their first uh, big job, I guess. Mm -hmm. They wrote the book and lyrics for an adaptation of a Leonard Bernstein ballet called Fancy Free. And it was on Broadway and they were in it, actually, as well as they writing. They were in it too. Yeah, they were in it. Wow. They started out trying to be actors and you know, singers, and that's how they got into writing music, because they could write their own songs, and that took off, and they ended wow. up doing this, you know. So that wow. was in, like, 1944, I believe, is when the, the Broadway musical came out, and then in 49, they made a film version of it, um, which has Gene Kelly in it, and like you said, he and Stanley Donut are directing it, and I'm sure he was involved in the choreography. Yeah, I mean, you'd be crazy to not have him involved in the choreography. I mean, anyone would be crazy in any movie to not have Gene Kelly do the choreography. I mean, I take it he was like a pretty extreme taskmaster. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of stories of Singing in the Rain about how hard he was on Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. Um, making her dance until she was like bleeding in the Jeez. feet. Okay. Um, and just pushing Donald O'Connor to do like all of this crazy stuff. Um, in the make him laugh number. That's an extremely physical number. It is. I mean, he's basically beating himself up with the set. Um, but it's all these vaudeville, like, clowning type moves that he had in his pocket, kind of. And Gene Kelly's like, let's take all of those and put them into a dance. Wow. And this make him laugh, the song is kind of, I take it, a little bit of a ripoff of a Cole Porter song called Be a Clown. Okay. Um, I mean, it's even the same theme, and I think people were trying to kind of ignore that, like, don't look over here at the ripoff. <laughs> um, but even still, whether it's a ripoff song or not, the dance number is insane. Yeah. 
The dance number is what I remember. The actual song, I remember him saying, make him laugh. But other than that, I don't remember any of the lyrics. I don't remember the beat. Yeah. I, I don't remember anything. It's just the dance like kind of takes over in your head because he mm-hmm. does that run up the wall flip thing. Yeah. Which, thank goodness you didn't see that when you were a little kid. I mean, you're already trying to dance on the ceiling with Lionel Richie. (laughs) Well, okay. Let's take a second here. I am a horrendous dancer. Horrible. (laughs) Can't do two steps. Okay? I am a moving violation when it comes to dance. (laughs) You know, like, you don't want to be around me. And, like, you know, Gene Kelly, the taskmaster that, you know, he was. if, If I were to be in something where he had to get this hunk of meat to try and move oh my god he would have put me in the ground because i i stink dude to do a box step that took me like six months of hard concentration well that's tough because i think that you were in musicals a lot when you were younger right yes yes and i could sing and i could make them laugh were you actually in on the town yes i was in on the town yeah you know, so, I mean, it's, <laughs> whenever it came to what I was doing, it was more centered on the humor, yeah. you know, than any, like, actual dance move. Yeah, I, I had this when I was in, we did musicals in my high school as well, um, and I could sing. We didn't really do any dancing, like, there's... The dancing was so limited. You're lucky. As to be nearly non-existent. So we did Little Abner. Yeah. I played like an unnamed person, but I actually ended up like singing half of Jubilation T. Cornpone. Okay. And then in kind of a repeat the next year, we did Wizard of Oz and I played Auntie M, but I ended up being the one who sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow. What a good number. It was great, but why in the hell is Auntie M singing it? I mean, I'm sure everybody in the audience is like, what's happening? Auntie M's got dreams. I just think, like, our theater teacher didn't want a chubby Dorothy. I think she couldn't imagine a fat person, you know, playing a part that wasn't old lady number two or something. Because that's that's... what I played in everything. But, you know, hey, old lady number two had pipes. She did. And it's lousy. (laughs) It's lousy the way they do that when you're fat. It's, It's happened to me so many times. I actually had a director say to me when I was younger that I had to get in shape. Uh, otherwise, I would just be a chorus member for life, and I would be the guy in the back row with a good voice. <laughs> That's yeah. lovely. Right right up front about it, yeah. Oh, how wonderful. Don't we love these things? <laughs> Should have put a trigger warning on this. Um, anyway, oh, yeah. well, Gene Kelly probably would have been that mean to us, too, because apparently he was a jerk. But I don't really <laughs> care, because his dancing is killer. Um, I love just watching him dance in this movie, and... He has so much joy Mm. in his dancing, Mm. any style, you know, whether it's, you know, the Moses Supposes, which is really my favorite number. Mine too, mine (laughs) too. When we watch that, we just watch the movies. We always rewatch before we do the podcast. And as soon as the credits came up at the end, I had to go back and watch Moses Supposes one more time because it just puts a smile on my face. It's so funny. And it's Donald O'Connor and Gene Kelly are in sync so well during that. And they dance with their whole bodies, you know. Yeah. And we saw a little uh, uh, blurb thing that Donald O'Connor was talking about, you know, that he was primarily known as a hoofer. So he was a waist down kind of dancer before. Mm-hmm. But Gene Kelly kind of is like, no, we're engaging all of you. So it becomes like arms, legs, you know. Again, with Gene Kelly's face is dancing, you know, and there was so much like athleticism in that number, and the the song is so funny, and you know they're just ribbing on this dialect coach guy who has no idea what's going on. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, when they randomly just start putting things on top <laughs> of him, yeah, that to me is so random and wonderful. That seems like humor of today. It does. It seems to me like something you would do. <laughs> like, I could totally see you. You have done that. You just start handing people things <laughs> until they're just like, why am I holding all this stuff? So I've seen you actually do that. It's very funny. It's up my alley, and I love it. And when I saw the musical when I was in high school, they did that. You know, they, they you know, why wouldn't you mirror 
perfection. So they their numbers were very much like what you see in the film. And I remembered them stacking things up on that dialect coach, yeah. and I roared with <laughs> That's laughter. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, this is a funny one. I didn't see this uh, movie until way later in life. I think probably I was in my 30s um, when I first saw it. But I've since seen it a ton of times, and I just really enjoy it. And one year on my birthday, it was playing at New Beverly here mm -hmm. in L.A. Yeah. It was like my 37th birthday, I think. And I had just the best day ever. Like, we went out to Palm Desert and went to this living desert zoo. And then we came back that night, and there was a double bill of... Singing in the Rain and Brigadoon. Right. Brigadoon's kind of terrible, but it's okay. <laughs> I remember. I we were remember, like, all right, I guess. I remember when Brigadoon finished and I said, I could have done with another half hour. <laughs> <laughs> but in between, Gene Kelly's widow, his last wife, showed up. Yes. And did a Q&A, which was nuts. That was like, wow. I was just like, holy hell. That was amazing. And we didn't expect that to happen. It was just like impromptu things, which happens a lot at New Beverly and other places, which is why people like to go there. Right. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All the people that we've seen there. Yeah. When I saw Martha Coolidge show up for a Q&A on a weekday afternoon after I had just seen Real Genius... Yeah. It was like, what? Well, and we saw, yeah, we've seen, uh, we saw the screenwriters of Face Off, that which was, was hilarious and yes. amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, even just recently, this wasn't a New Beverly, but it was at um, another, the Landmark in, on Pico. Mm -hmm. We went to see Everything Everywhere All at Once. Brilliant film. We missed the 5.30 show or whatever that we had tried to get to. And we're like, oh, well, there's a 7.10, you know, 7.30, whatever. We're like, we'll try that. So I look it up. There's only two tickets left that are, you know, together. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, this is too crowded. I don't know if we should go. We're like, we're already down here. We're just going to do it. We go. We watch the movie. It's stellar. It's mm -hmm. one of the best movies ever. So imaginative. I mean, go see it ASAP. I think it goes into wide release today. That is wonderful. And we're, <laughs> we're sitting there watching the credits because we always stay through all the credits even if it's like 20 minutes of credits like yeah. those people did the work we give them you know the respect of watching their names come by yeah like i don't run out during a curtain call yeah exactly you wouldn't do that it's it's not cool while we're doing that some guy like comes in it's like setting up a computer and chairs and stuff at the front and we're like what's going on and the girl next to us is like uh there's a q a with like the actors from the movie and we're like what yeah because that was not planned so i mean and also i had just finished watching the movie i was so like happy slash emotional you know it's that feeling when you've watched something amazing yeah and then we get the q a i mean the luck that we had that day it was crazy it was an amazing day so anyway that's the magic of la sometimes i really yell about la a lot because I feel like I haven't been alone in 11 years since we moved here. But there's also the magic, too. And it's nice to experience that magic. And, you know, these are the experiences I remember as my favorite things. Like, that was probably my best birthday ever. was the birthday where we watched Singing in the Rain at New Bev. A couple of our friends came. Mm -hmm. They definitely skedaddled before Brigadoon came on. But we all... <laughs> We all got to watch, you know, watch Singing in the Rain on the big screen with a cartoon before it. Yeah. And then have a Q&A with Gene Kelly's wife. I mean, where else could you do that? Nowhere. I mean, that's, you couldn't have someone just drop in like that anywhere no. else, I don't feel like. And it was just so cool. I just was so psyched. And I just remember that. I'll never forget what a great day that was. Yeah, that's and a hole in one. And seeing Singing in the Rain on the big screen was so great. I mean, we watched it on our new TV, and it was really exciting, too. Mm -hmm. Just being able to see the dancing, like, on a big format, I think really makes it that much more impressive. Well, and then you think about Debbie Reynolds had only some very basic dance knowledge. Yeah. When she got into this film. It's unbelievable, really. And I mean, she's able to keep up. Well, yeah, and the thing that she has said about it in the videos that we've watched is that, yes, you know, she was 
crying like every day. She was in pain. But she also thinks that the experience was necessary to give her what she needed to do that job. And of course, it served her well throughout the rest of her life. She had like a chain of dance studios and things wow. like this. Uh, and she had been a gymnast, so she was in shape. But the kind of dancing that was being demanded of her was extremely intense. That's my hat is off to her. And it's it's so high in the air. Because if it was me, like I told you, six feet under. Tell you know? me about it. Yeah. I mean, she was 19 years old. Wow. And she's doing this good morning number with Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor yeah. dancing on either side of her. And she had to be flawless. That's an amazing person. I give her all the credit. Yeah. She was so great. Um, and, you know, I know what you mean. I watch this movie. I love watching dancing. I wanted to be an, a dancer when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, things happened, but now, like, I watch this, and, of course, there's a famous story with Gene Kelly and the Singing in the Rain number, mm -hmm. that he was actually sick with, like, a fever of 103 yeah. when he was doing that dance, which is absolutely iconic, unforgettable, it's been parodied, it's been copied, it's been homaged, whatever you want to say about it, yeah. a million times by a million people. And you can't forget about it. And this guy was like, sick. Meanwhile, if I have a fever blister on my lip, I'm crying about it for like three days. <laughs> it's just when you have that focus, when you have that drive, this is totally off topic, but in a way, still on topic. <laughs> The Tony Hawk documentary that we just watched, he has laser focus when yes. he wants to do a stunt, and nothing will stop him from achieving it. Nothing. That's true. It doesn't matter what's going on in his life. It doesn't matter how much he gets hurt. He does not get relief until he has accomplished his task. Yeah, and I'm sure that's kind of the same thing with this, with mm -hmm. the Gene Kelly kind of mentality. It's like it has to be right, and he holds everybody else up to that standard as well. Yeah. Which is why I think this is so successful. Well, and you also have to remember that these numbers were in longer takes, and it's just like a full-frame shot. Yeah. So, I mean, when you've got three dancers up on the screen, if one person blows it, yeah. oh, God, you have to go say. back again and i mean whoa i don't even want to think about that that's awful what it's, if you messed up oh. i would be the one messing it up like i said they'd be like get him out of here you're get like mr here. left foot <laughs> <laughs> mr Clubfoot. <laughs> jeez louise yeah i don't know you're very good at a lot of things but yeah i would say dancing is not on the top of that list no but on this movie the dancing is what's on the menu that's what i've come for I fully agree with you. The music is also fantastic, mm -hmm. and the singing is great, but the dancing is just stupid. It's so good. And again, I think it's just kind of like a master class in what Gene Kelly can do um, throughout this, because you have all these different styles. You have like the super energetic athletic stuff, and then later in the Broadway melody sequence... Mm -hmm. He has, like, some sort of more ballet-type stuff that he's doing. Yeah. Um, and, like, a jazz dance kind of style. And he's just so good in all of it. Um, and, again, the body control is insane. Yeah. And you can see how much he influenced so many people. And I'm not actually just talking about dancers. Mm -hmm. Because, like, Jackie Chan is doing a lot of stuff like Gene Kelly. Yeah. When he's doing his stunts, like Jackie Chan was inspired by Gene Kelly's athleticism. And when they show like a Jackie Chan sequence where he's just doing one of these long kind of stunt sequences, you really do see like the commonality there. Gene Kelly, his favorite movie that he's done is actually Three Musketeers, which was action. You know, yeah. we actually saw him, I believe, do a jump off a balcony. Yeah. Like, what? This is kind of what I'm surprised with him. He does these jumps, and I'm just like, oh, well, there's there goes my, you know, shattered femur, you know? <laughs> right. I would just be dead if I did this. But he's just like, he, he walks around and jumps around like the ground is made of a trampoline. Well, and again, it's that focus. Jackie Chan on one of his films broke his foot. 
And so they made a cast and they painted it to look like his other sneaker. And he kept going. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. These people are crazy. I wonder if like they have a different pain reception in their brain than normal people or Maybe something. Maybe so. Yeah. Because it just seems wild to me that they can do this. But, you know, even a- another movie that I would say I thought about when I thought about dancing and I thought about Gene Kelly and his influentialness is another round. Okay. Like the big dance, see the big dance scene that Mads Mikkelsen does at the end of that movie, mm-hmm. which is crazy and out of nowhere and amazing. Really kind of has that Gene Kelly kind of athleticism to it. It has that grace. Yeah, it has that. Well, and he's, I think Mads Mikkelsen has a ballet background too. Okay. Um, which makes sense because they have that body control. They have that lightness on their feet. Mm-hmm. And they have that full body dancing style where they're, you know, dancing from the toes to the tips of their fingers, you know. And that's another really good movie that I would say to watch that isn't at all a musical. (laughs) No, but it is wonderful. It is a great movie and it has a great dance in it. It's a totally amazing drama. And Mads Mikkelsen, just like you said, complete control of his body. As an actor, he's so effective because he knows how to move every single muscle. Yeah, I mean, that's what we talked about with Casino Royale. Like, his economy of movement is so great that if he, like, twitches something, you know it was on purpose. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Gene Kelly kind of has that as well. So, I just, I think it's great. Well, Good Morning is what I want to talk about. Because the piece that always sticks with me, the piece of the dance, is when Donald O'Connor, Debbie Reynolds, and Gene Kelly, you know, all three of them are in a row. And they're coming towards the screen, and they walk on the couch, and then they walk on the back of the couch so it flips down. Yes. Wow. It's awesome. I love that part, too. And then they fall onto the couch, and it looks like, you know, the two guys fall on Debbie Reynolds. (laughs) And I'm like, she probably like took an elbow to each side of her ribs, but um, she keeps laughing. Yeah, because it's Debbie Reynolds and she's a pro. They're troopers. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's it's the Good Morning is so great because it feels like such a simple kind of song. Like mm-hmm. you're just saying Good Morning and talking about you know how happy they are because they've come up with like this solution to their problem. Yeah, and. Yet, then they do this huge dance, and it's all three of them, and it's so great. It's just really fun to watch. And again, the colors are so vibrant and bright in that part of the movie. But yeah, we haven't even really talked about like what the movie is about. We just got wrapped up in the dancing, because that's what we care about the most. And you know the funny part? In the back of my head, I'm like, we should talk about the movie. <laughs> We're connected, man. Yeah, We're connected. Uh, we've been talking for a really long time. Let's, you know, refer to what the movie's about. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is actually, I think, a topic that's ripe for movies. Like, movies love talking about this particular topic, which is when film went from silent film to talkies. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is handled in a really fun way. It's yes. actually kind of reminiscent of another movie the artist which mm-hmm. i really liked which is another great musical and jean dujardin kind of looks like gene kelly that's so wild and it's a great yeah. dancer also um so if you haven't seen the artist go watch that too i think it would be great to do like a side by side almost like watch one of these and then the other um because the the movies are so interconnected but that's also about, you know, when movies went from silent to talking. And in, in Singing in the Rain, the conceit is that you have Don Lockwood, which is Gene Kelly. He's this famous silent movie star. Mm-hmm. And he always works with this woman, Lena Lamont, who's played by Gene Hagen. And she actually talks in like a squeaky kind of Brooklyn-y kind of accent Mm -hmm. that sounds like an insane person but she's playing all these like dramatic roles all the time and since you can't hear her talking nobody cares nobody knows and she just keeps her lips zipped in public all the time yeah so that people don't aren't aware you know that she has this crazy kind of voice but now talkies are coming they can't hide it anymore and this is you know their concern like how are we gonna make our movies continue to be a success 
when we have this person who is not going to be able to translate from a silent movie to a talkie. And the way that they solve it is that they find this girl, Debbie Reynolds, who is going to sing and speak, and they'll use her voice track for the movie in place of Lena. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah that's kind of what happens again in The Artist is the guy's worried, like, oh, how am I going to transfer from silent film to talkie because I have a French accent? So, you know, it's kind of a similar thing that they play with again. And it's all done really well in both movies. Well, Debbie Reynolds, as Kathy Selden, is such a good character because I really believe the love between her and Don Lockwood. You know, I really buy that. Uh, they do a great job of just acting like these meetings are just chance. You know, when you know they're in the script, it's yeah. written down. But I really get the feeling of, hey... These folks just ran into each other again. <laughs> well, it's funny because, yeah, the way they meet each other at the beginning is that he's trying to get away from these legions of crazy fans mm -hmm. and he ends up jumping into her car and, ha you know, she ends up taking him home. And she, at that time, is kind of like too good for, like, you know, popular entertainment, mm -hmm. which kind of is funny because then they start talking about how much she thinks Shakespeare is great. And I'm like, cough, cough. <laughs> Um, that's popular entertainment, darling. But, uh, yeah. Well, it's just funny to me as well that someone will just jump into someone's car yeah. and that things will continue, you know? Yeah, and that like, that's okay. Like, right? that would not happen now. No. Somebody jumps in your car. I don't know. I would be like, get out of here, buddy. Absolutely. I would not be cool with that <laughs> at all. I'd be like, you have to go. Even if it was like a huge movie star. Yeah. Like, I like Brad Pitt jumps into your car and you're like, I don't think so. No. Like if it was someone who was, uh, you know, scared that their life was in danger, let's roll. You know, that's uh, yeah. about it. Otherwise, no thanks. But yeah. Anyway, when they first meet, it's, it's funny because he jumps into the car. First of all, she is terrified, but then she realizes who he is and just kind of, you know, low rates his job. <laughs> yeah. Acts like his, his work is kind of junk. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that sets him on fire because he's just like, who are you to tell me that, you know? And she thinks she's a serious actress and he thinks that's a load of poppycock. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it is because he's going to this big Hollywood party and she's one of the dancers jumping out of the cake. Yeah. That's very funny to me that... You know, she's like, has this whole build up about how she's too good for, you know, being in movies. But she's not too good to be jumping out of the cake and <laughs> being a dancer. So that's a cute number, too. All the costumes are really fun in that. Um, and yeah, you they have like an instant chemistry. It, you could really feel it. You could really feel it. And if the situation was as hard as it seems on the set, because he was pushing her so hard, I don't imagine they necessarily had that ease, well, you know, off camera. Like, this wasn't just the way that they were, you know, like, hey, let's get a coffee and talk it out. <laughs> and then you go on camera and it's like, hey, how you doing? You know, it, it's more of like, you just had to really be in the moment and just instantly fall in love. Yeah, no, I would never believe that they didn't get along. I know they didn't, really, because I've read all about it, but... Just from watching the movie, that doesn't come across. No, and that just shows you how wonderful each and every person in this is. Because Donald O'Connor had trouble as well, yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. They, he felt like Gene Kelly was really tough and everything as well. Um, but, you know, they're both super professionals. Like, all of them are, are professionals. Yeah. And they just were like, well, when the camera's rolling, I'm doing my job. Absolutely. So, it worked. And I bought Cosmo and Don as being like best friends. Me too. And that's and that's not easy for me to buy. I don't buy love and I don't buy friends easy. Yeah, I don't either because it can so easily go wrong. Mm -hmm. But when it goes right in a movie, it's really good. And this the friendship sometimes to me is harder to sell than love. And they did it. I mean, there's that whole great sequence near the beginning where... You know, they're going, it's Lena and Dawn have just showed up to this movie premiere. Yes. And they're being interviewed on the red carpet, which is hilarious because it feels like something that would be happening now. Like, mm -hmm. 
it just reminds you that things have always been the same pretty yeah. much. Um, so they get to this, this place and this woman who's interviewing them is asking Don about his journey to stardom and things like that. And it's this really tongue in cheek kind of funny flashback. Don is like telling all these stories about he and Cosmo and how they came up and, you know, undercutting what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps talking about dignity, integrity, you know, all these things that, you know, are his watchwords and making up this hugely cultivated story about where they came from. Mm-hmm. And it's very funny because then we see the actual flashback and we see that he's either embellishing or just outright lying about what it was. I mean, he and Cosmo have known each other since they were little kids. They, you know, started out on stage. Uh, well, they really started out playing music in a bar, yeah. right? Yeah. Which he presents as being like studying music in a conservatory or something. <laughs> um, and then he talks about them, you know making their mark on the stage like it's some big deal but really they were doing vaudeville like you know acts just kind of regular stuff that people do in vaudeville dancing and mugging and doing all this crazy stuff and then he talks about them taking hollywood by storm and i think it cuts to them at like the unemployment office or something (laughs) so (laughs) it's very funny i really like that and it does tell you a lot about don because it tells you about how protective he is of this image that he has and how much he'll do to keep that. I think it's great. That's my favorite part of the movie. It's so funny. It's it's hilarious. And it just shows you how good Gene Kelly is at comedy, you know, um, because he he's really laying it on thick in like the present day piece. Mm-hmm. And then they're cutting back to like these, you know, the real story. And we're getting that. And that's just fun, because it's like you're in on the joke. Yeah, it's a perfect introduction to these characters. It's a perfect introduction to Hollywood at that time. It's a perfect introduction to entertainment. Yeah. Everyone always wants to make what they did sound better than it was. Yeah, there's always the image as the the priority. Yeah, you're trying to get ahead. Again, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Cosmo is the musician friend of Don, Mm -hmm. and literally no one cares about him (laughs) at the red carpet. Like, he's getting out of the car, and they're like, oh, my God, oh, it's just Cosmo. (laughs) Um, Which, all these things are kind of a trope, I think, in movies and musicals and stuff now. You know, you've also got, like, the experienced, like, older actor, and then he falls in love with, like, the young ingenue. Mm -hmm. That's the same kind of thing we have here. Um, And you have, you know the hag older actress yeah which is funny because gene hagen is so good and she actually has a good voice but they have her talking in this crazy accent as lena lamont and she's so evil in such a delightful way when they're doing the lip sync for her character in the film it's actually her voice yeah Without the affectation. Yeah, that's actually just her talking, but it's it's not Debbie Reynolds. Um, and they dubbed her singing as well, I think, um, in the movie part. That is, I think Debbie Reynolds is singing during other parts of the movie. Um, but for the specific certain parts, she did have somebody else singing for her. It's just, it's so intelligent because it is timeless. Yeah. These same things have always been around, just like you said. You know, you have the red carpet, you have the image, you have the friends, you know, you have the competition. Yeah. The cutthroat competition and entertainment. Yes. I mean, that was another funny thing. I I think I loved that about this, too, is like, you know, we love movies, you Mm -hmm. know, and this is a movie about movies. I actually really love silent movies. Same. I'm a crazy huge fan of Buster Keaton, Mm -hmm. especially, who's another super athletic like physical person who does monster stuff that you don't even know how he does it no he keeps me with my mouth hanging open you know like an entire colony of flies could just (laughs) pour in yeah i it's just when we watched the general for the first time i had no idea what I was dealing with. I knew nothing about Buster Keaton until you turned me on to him. Yeah, well, I didn't know anything about him until 
the first year that we moved to LA, I had I wasn't working a day job, and my times kind of got mixed up to the point where I would just stay up like all night and go to bed at like six o'clock in the morning. And John is a normal human being. So. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, unless you're sick or something, or your nose is bothering you or whatever, you usually go to bed at a late but decent hour. I try. And get up like a normal person. But me, I flip-flop. Like, if I'm away from the normal routine of working a job, I end up, like, completely on the other side of the clock. I wake up at 6, or I go to bed at 6 in the morning, and I get up at, like, noon or 1 or something. And that's just what I like to do. I don't know why. But one of those crazy mornings, it was, like, 5 o'clock, and I was like, oh, I just put something on TV. And there was this Sherlock Jr. was on, like, Netflix or something. And I was like, huh, I'll check this out. And I was absolutely blown away. Totally blown away at what Buster Keaton was able to do at the very genesis of film. Yeah. I mean, he took a lot of vaudeville trickery stuff and translated it into film and elevated it by using film to uh, improve on what he was already doing. So it's like, you already have this art that's impressive, and then you add something else to it that makes it even better and that just was awesome sherlock jr is probably my favorite because it's so imaginative but when we watched the general i was like are you kidding like there's so much amazing physical stuff in that Mm -hmm. and just visual trickery and things like that they do with the camera and like i just i love those old old movies so watching this which was set at like the end of the silent film era was really fun because there's this one scene where you see them, uh, Cosmo and Don, walking. And they're walking through, like, the big studio set. And there's, like, four different movies being shot at the same time. Yeah. Because they didn't require sound. And so they were able to record all of these movies simultaneously in one building. And I just thought that was so amazing that that was able to be done. And and the way that you see it is just a lot of fun, how they're walking through. And then, of course, they show you, like, introducing the talkies where they're having to record sound. And it's absolutely, like, foreign to all of them. Yeah. Because they're sitting here, you know, they're used to being able to to direct the actors out loud. Mm -hmm. Now they can't. You know, now they have to do blocking and they have to figure that out beforehand because all the directors and the the personnel working the equipment have to, like, run into, like, a, a room and shut the door uh, because they can't be heard, you know. And <laughs> there's these different things that become very funny when they watch the playback where, you know, it would have been nothing for Don to walk in as, like, this French kind of courtier you know and he throws his kind of cane out of the way which looks very dashing on camera but when you hear it clattering down the stairs (laughs) that kind of loses the illusion Uh, and that was very funny to me and then also I think Gene Hagen's like tapping him with a fan or something and you could just hear it and it's like hitting the mic and it's just very funny. Like, all of it is very funny. Well, and also getting the actors to talk into the microphone because yeah. they're not used to it. Exactly. And Lena hates it. Yeah. And really doesn't even want to do it. And she just doesn't understand why they even have to. And then they actually put the microphone in the front of her dress. Yeah. <laughs> they have to, like, sew, a, like, an applique yeah. to the front of her dress so they can put the microphone inside it because she can't keep herself turned around. She says something like, I can't make love to a bush because they have her trying to talk forward and she's used to, you know, she's used to facing Dawn. They always have like these great love scenes where they're like facing each other and talking to each other. But in order to pick up the microphone, they want her turned away and she's like, she can't do it. No. And everybody's so frustrated and you can just feel the frustration of these people who are experts at what they do. Yeah. And suddenly you've introduced something that totally destroys everything about what they're comfortable with. 
Well, it's just routine. You know, I've had so many jobs in my life where the routine changes. We have a different process in place now. And it takes me a while, yeah. you know, to like adjust. Yeah. I keep doing the wrong thing. So it's like you really get it. Yeah. I mean, you have to like change your entire way of thinking about something. Mm -hmm. Things that you never would have even considered before have suddenly become a problem. Yeah. And, you know, I think they dramatize that fairly well in this. They keep it light and funny. But you do get the sense of the frustration that must have been experienced with people trying to make this transition. Well, and they also bring in reality because they keep saying the jazz singer is a big hit. Yes. Which it was. was. Yeah. Huge. And so now everyone felt the pressure to come up to that level. And the head of Monumental Pictures, RF. Yes. I mean, he really makes you understand. <laughs> I love RF. That guy was a genius. Great actor. Hilarious. He was so funny. He's just like, doesn't, you know, it's like he has all these crazy stars to wrangle. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to handle it. And he's just kind of a regular person. He's yeah. smart. You know, he's good at business. But he can't deal with all these personalities. <laughs> He has such a hard time with that. I just really love that because I feel like that's me in real life. I've always got like crazy people all all around me and I'm like trying to deal with them. You got and one I, right here. <laughs> you're the most normal of all the crazy people. but Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, usually it's just like you're just wrangling these dramatic crazies. Um, but it's it's really funny. He's super funny. And of course he gets to join in. At the end, when they end up kind of exposing Lena, who has tried to kind of paint Kathy into a corner to have to, you know, force her to keep um, doing her voice and singing um, indefinitely so that she can keep her career. They hatch this plan, which they don't let Kathy in on. No. Kathy just is really upset because she thinks they're forcing her to do that. But they put her on stage behind a curtain that's behind Lena, and they open up the curtain so that while Lena is pretending to sing, Kathy is actually singing, and she doesn't know what's going. Lena doesn't know what's going on, mm -hmm. and then of course Cosmo comes out and starts singing, <laughs> and she's lip syncing Cosmo at that point. It's very funny. It's great. And, you know, Lena kind of deserves it. I don't, you know, I'm not really into public humiliation so much, but they did turn her into just kind of a brat to the point where you kind of get to see her have her comeuppance, and it works. Well, and she also shows you how she can manipulate the media and how she understands her contract that so she knows that she's in charge of her own publicity. Exactly, yeah. And she's, you know, she's grasping to try to hold on to what she has built even though, like, she is kind of obsolete. Yeah. And in a way, when you think about that as a real-life event, that's kind of sad. It's terrifying. There were a lot of people who couldn't make the transition from silent film to talkies. And, you know, in this we have Don, who's fine, because he mm -hmm. can sing, he can dance, he can still, he has a good speaking voice. So he's fine. He'll continue to be fine. He may have to change his style a little bit, because yeah. it's a little silly, because, um, yeah, there's a lot more melodrama in a silent movie than in a talkie. Mm -hmm. But he can adjust to it. He'll adapt. But Lena, there's no way. She can't continue to have any kind of a career like she had before. No. And, I mean, one thing that isn't addressed in this movie is when you're a performer, you get older. And you age out of being the leading lady, the leading man. Yeah. You know, you get the smaller parts as the character actor. Yeah. You know, now you are the grandfather, you know. It's not the same the whole time through. And people trying to hold on to their moment is something you can really understand. Well, it's kind of funny because, honestly, when you say that, it kind of makes me think a little bit of An American in Paris, mm -hmm. which actually came out the year before this. And has that wonderful dream sequence at the yes, end. Which yes, which kind of lines up with this Broadway melody sequence. I like An American in Paris. It's a very good movie. Mm -hmm. Tons of great dancing again. But, whereas it doesn't somehow bother me in this movie, I think because they weren't trying to make Gene Kelly seem like he was young, they were making it seem like he was an established, kind of, not middle-aged, but like, you know, lower middle-aged, maybe, yeah. guy in Singing in the Rain. 
in American in Paris, they're kind of trying to make it like he's this young guy who's in Paris as yeah. an artist trying to, you know, start out. And he felt a bit long in the tooth there for me <laughs> to be this young, you know, artiste. I don't know. No, that's hard. When someone is cast in a film and they're not the right age and there's no way to make it look like they're the right age, the movie is going to suffer badly. Yeah. I mean, the American in Paris didn't, so it's a bad example for me to bring up, I guess, because apparently nobody else cared because it won Best Picture. Yeah. Um, it, I actually read a funny thing that Singing in the Rain was out the following year, and they actually had to push it out of the theater to re-release An American in Paris because it won the Oscar. Because there was like a common practice to re-release the best picture at the box office. Because it's not like you could go watch it on, you know, streaming after it won, which we can now. Yeah. <laughs> Back then it was like, you're going to the movies or you're not going to see it. So they had to push Singing in the Rain out to show that again. But I felt like he was a little old for this kind of role that they were trying to push in American in Paris. Even though I did like the movie, yeah. I do think there's a ton of good dancing in it yeah. and good music. It's another really good movie um, from this era where Gene Kelly kind of could do no wrong. Well, at one point, I actually liked an American in Paris more than Singing in the Rain. Yeah. But at this point, Singing in the Rain is firmly the winner, and I don't feel it could ever be shaken. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, I'll pretty much watch any Gene Kelly thing. Even if it's not a musical, like that Three Musketeers mm -hmm. with all the athletic kind of stunt work type stuff was really fun. Um, but I think Singing in the Rain really, really earns its place if if people are putting it on the top of the list of like best movie musicals. Well, it's because it has a fantastic story that it's wrapped around. And then you have great music and then you have great actors. Perfect actors for the roles. Mm -hmm. And the dancing, again, just is really unbeatable. Mm-hmm. And the, the music is good. The story is great. Um, and it's something that's familiar to you, like, instantly to have this type of story, I think. It yeah. feels like, you know, you get it. You don't have to think about it. It's not, like, super complicated. And just the types of characters are kind of like a, a stereotype, but not in, like, a negative way. Like, in a way that's like, oh, I get this. Yeah. You know, okay, we have, like, the young ingenue. Okay, we have, like, this successful actor guy. You know, we have his best friend. We always have, like, the goofy best friend role in every single movie. Um, and that's what Cosmo does. Because I was talking about Gene Kelly dancing with his face. But Donald O'Connor is, like, crazy with the mugging. He's always, oh, like, yeah. doing these crazy faces. He's, like, got a rubber face, like, Jim Carrey style or something. Oh, and he moves it all around? Yeah. Wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, you have, like, this bitter, older actress character who, you know, becomes evil when the new girl's taking over. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I, I think one of the funny things about Lena Lamont is that, like, she's totally convinced herself that she and Don are in a relationship. Yeah. Even though they're not. <laughs> he keeps telling her they're not. And he keeps saying that she's just reading, you know, too many magazines because mm -hmm. all the magazines are like pushing them together because they're this couple in all these movies. But he has no interest in her. So and, and it shows that they have a history, too. Yeah. Like he started out as a stunt person and then ended up on one of her movies getting kind of pushed up into an acting role. Um, and then suddenly she's interested in him at it that point yeah and before she wouldn't even give him the time yeah day. before he tried to talk to her and she was like sniffing like Ugh, you know yeah so that's really cute it's a good movie i just like it I, I feel like i could watch it anytime i could watch pieces of it i pretty much watch moses supposes like every day <laughs> i would watch moses supposes in a loop for like 30 minutes a day <laughs> because it's just so much fun it's so much fun, and watching the guys dance and sync is what really gets me. When they jump on those chairs, then they're sitting on the chairs, and they're still yeah. dancing. It makes you want to get up and dance, even though you are tremendously incapable of doing so. Yeah, I need, like, an empty room, <laughs> you know, and I need there to be, like, just an area where no one can come. Well, up. I'm not talking about just you being incapable. I'm like, it's kind of like when you watch the Olympics, and you watch somebody do, like, these crazy, you know, amazing things who's a super athlete who's been training for this for years yeah 
and you're just like, oh, I'd really like to do that. And then you're like, remember that getting up off the couch is difficult for you. <laughs> That's what happens to me anyway. <laughs> like, oh, I would love to do that. Uh, but maybe I should work on being able to stand up without creaking first. One step at a time. One step at a time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I think like I wanted to be, like I said, I wanted to be a dancer when I was a little kid mm -hmm. and I took a dance class and I was really interested in like learning like the fundamentals like ballet and then moving into jazz and like doing it in a really kind of professional manner. I know I, that's ridiculous because I was like six years old, but that's, you know, I've kind of been like that since I was born. It's just who I am as a person. But the class that I was in kind of was very loosey-goosey and I think that the teacher was kind of like a hippie type person and was okay. just like kind of go with the flow and you know we'll just do like freestyle modern dance and I was like oh gross I hate this but I kept doing it because I felt like my parents had paid for the class and I was like obligated to do it and then one one Saturday I woke up at like 10 mm -hmm. and my class was supposed to be at 8 and I was freaking out like you would now. I was seven or something, you know, six or seven. And I'm like freaking out like you would freak out now if you missed your alarm to go to work. Because I was like, you know, an adult in a tiny kid body. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, mom, why didn't you wake me up? I missed class. And my mom is like, did you really want to go? Because she knew I didn't, but I wouldn't say it. Yeah. And she realized, you know, I, that wasn't really my forte, this kind of weird, I don't know, like we were in Hair, the musical or something, <laughs> but it wasn't my thing. And she knew I wanted something more organized and structured. Um, so she just kind of gave me the out that I wouldn't take myself. That's why I didn't end up doing much more with dancing. Well, I was in gymnastics when I was a kid. Yeah. And... You know, it was maybe only one year, maybe two. Um, and I wanted to do dance. And I was going to enroll in an Irish step dance class. But since I have flat feet, the doctor said, do not take mm. the dance class. And so really, that that was it for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I would have really, you probably would have really hurt yourself. Um, with that, but for or me, others, yeah, well, I doubt it, but definitely yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just so klutzy. I can just fall over. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well, it's I don't have good balance. Yeah. 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 Well, nowadays I don't have good balance because of my stupid ear. But when I was younger, I was actually pretty good with all that stuff. And I'm still really good at learning steps and learning moves. Like I can really pretty instantly do an aerobics tape of any sort because mm -hmm. I, I do have, like, the knowledge of, like, the body control and stuff. It's just, like, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have the stamina at this point because of years of day job working. But, you know, I can still live vicariously through others by watching Singing in the Rain uh, and just enjoying the heck out of this awesome, awesome movie. Yeah, that's what I like to do, too. They're doing the dancing for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's talk about Broadway Melody for a second. Okay. So that's actually part of what they put into the the silent movie about, like, the French people falling in love. Um, they kind of rewrite the whole movie because it was just supposed to be this period piece with, you know, Gene Kelly and, and Lena Lamont as these, you know, period French people falling in love with each other. That was like the whole story and there's not much else to it, mm -hmm. but translating it into the modern day and bringing like this frame story are their solution to making it into a song and dance movie like the jazz singer so that it'll hopefully be a success. Yeah. And in doing that, they insert this whole long kind of dance sequence that they're called Broadway melody. And it's kind of like this guy having like a dream or something. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just really a showcase for Gene Kelly. And it's something similar to what they did in American in Paris. Yes, very Because much. in that, there's like a super long dance sequence with a whole lot of different things going on. And in this one, it gave him a chance to actually work with Sid Charisse, 
who I believe was supposed to be in An American in Paris. Okay. But she got pregnant and couldn't be in it, so they replaced her in that with Leslie Caron or Caron. Um, in this, she uh, was able to be in the movie, but she's not really an ingenue type. Um, she's like this tall, powerful, kind of ballet-style dancer. Mm-hmm. And she also can do, like, this really slinky kind of jazz stuff. And she's really, really talented and a great match for Jane Kelly. Like, you have to feel like, you know, finally he probably had somebody to work with who he didn't have to whip into shape because she's so talented. Well, it's the heavyweights. I mean, this is yeah. the matchup that you've always wanted to see and you didn't know it. Yeah, well, because you know? she's athletic, too. Just like Jane Kelly is athletic, she's very athletic as well. She has these, like, crazy legs, you know, and she's tall, so she has, like, long limbs, and she's extremely, extremely good at what she does. And there's different segments to the dance. Like, it kind of starts out with this part where they're in this kind of bar with gangsters and stuff, Mm -hmm. and she has, like, the 20s kind of bob haircut and the green kind of dress with the fringy bottom. I love that color green, too. It's, like, so vibrant because everything else in the scene is pretty dark. Um, But I think in that scene, Gene Kelly has, like, that yellow vest on and she has, like, the green dress. Mm -hmm. So they just stick out because they're, like, the only colorful people. Uh, And they do this really killer dance that I think was, like, too hot for the censors. They had to, like, do a weird cut. And I never had noticed it before, but when we watched it this time, I noticed that there is kind of a weird jump cut. Yeah. Where they must have had to, like, excise something. And as you pointed out, you know, these are long single takes of a dance. It's not like you're cutting together pieces of dance. It's like you're watching the whole thing. So if you had to take out part of it, you had to do a jump cut because there's no other choice. Well, and this is also... The film where Sid Charisse has that long scarf. Oh, I love that part, right? yes. Yeah, yes. and that that's blowing in the fan. Sometimes I'm like, was it American Paris? I mean, she wasn't in it, but it's these two dance sequences, for some reason, run together in my mind. They do to me, too, yeah. Especially the, the part where she has, like, that long white scarf billowing. Yes. And it kind of wraps around her, and it wraps around him, oh. but, like, the, the wind is just blowing. And it's just really beautiful. It's a beautiful sequence. Well, and actually the way the whole set looks, it looks like infinity. You know, it looks like this road goes on forever. And you're just... Yeah, it's it's like a dream. It's like heaven or something. Yeah, and you feel so small. And you're like, look at these gods. And I couldn't believe how they were able to do this and, like, not fall. Like, because there's stairs... Mm-hmm. And you can barely even tell where the stairs are because everything is painted like the same color. Um, but but I just I it's such an image that you can't forget. No. With that wind blowing and billowing that scarf out. And it's funny because I read in the trivia that Sid Cherie said that the fan was blowing so hard that it like almost like knocked her off balance a few times. Oh man. Because she's, you know, getting this fan blowing on her and then also this huge scarf that's super long. Yeah. Is like billowing out behind her and making it's like a sail or something. Well, do we know how long that scarf actually was? I don't, I don't know offhand, but it was it was long. Yeah, yeah, it was huge. Like, what do you think? 20, 20 feet, thirty feet? Um, I think I would probably think of it in the terms of yards. Okay. That it was probably like twenty to thirty yards, which would be like sixty. 60 feet. Oh, my God. Can you imagine having something that long on? No. I would have tripped. I would have totally tripped. I mean, I don't know how it didn't get tangled up. And you're in a a set, so, like, there's so many lights and, like, different things like that. I feel like you could get caught up in the lights and, like, catch on fire. Like, oh, my my God. God. That totally would have happened to me. Totally. (laughs) Well, so, like, Brigadoon, Sid Charisse, Sid Charisse was in Brigadoon, right? Yes, she was in Brigadoon. And then they did, I think, one other movie together. And she also danced with Fred Astaire. She um, was in a couple movies with him as well. So she was like, you know, a big time dancer. Yeah. Um, And I really like her style. I would like to see, like, more about it. I think that putting her in to that sequence really made sense 
because throughout we get to see Gene Kelly doing a whole lot of different things, but because of, you know, Debbie Reynolds's first of all, because of her character, mm-hmm. I don't really think it makes a lot of sense for her character to do a dance like the Sid Cherise dances. No, because the character is entirely different. Yeah, she's so, like young, ingenue, like uh, sweet. Right, and this character is hard. Yeah. This like almost reminds me of Material Girl with the way they give <laughs> the Sid Cherise story in this. Because she's with, you know, this guy with this scar who you imagine is a gangster. And he just flips this massive coin. And he's got his two henchmen. And they flip a massive coin. That's like their thing showing that they're powerful in terms of strength and also in terms of money. Yeah. And we go through this entire amazing sequence between Gene Kelly and Sid Charisse where it seems like they've fallen in love and it's wonderful. But in the end... She goes back to the bad guy because he has the money. Well, he dangles like a diamond bracelet at the end of the green dress dance. And it bring and she's like, Oh well, see ya, you know. And it's heartbreaking for him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. It's yeah, that's something that like when I think of Debbie Reynolds at that age, I don't really see it because she had like this really like nice like high school portrait. Yeah. You're like that's a sweet. Well, she's kid. very peppy and yeah. yeah sweet. Like the whole deal with her is that she's like this innocent type person, mm-hmm. and this Sid Charisse dance is far from innocent. Yeah, it's very far from innocent. Yeah. And I wonder what that little clip is that they cut, and I wonder if it actually exists anywhere. If they ever could put it back mm-hmm. in. That's an interesting question. Yeah, I'd have to look into it. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's great, great, great sequence of the movie though and it's it's integrated in a very good way i Mm -hmm. think because it doesn't feel like it sticks out and i think when you see a musical you're expecting this huge spectacle to occur at some point like with tons of people on stage dancing singing and you know that's what happens here we had like that conveyor belt of people riding by while, mm-hmm. like, you know, Gene Kelly arrives in New York, you right. know, and it just is a huge spectacle, and it's exciting, you know? It's well, like what the end of Blazing Saddles is <laughs> trying to be. <laughs> well, all the great neon signs that they have to signify that they're in the city. Yeah. I really like that. And that's their connection back to the Streets of Fire. Right? <laughs> And then they started singing Nowhere Fast. Yeah. <laughs> and Sid Cherie said, I am Ellen Aim. And then Gene Kelly said, I am Tom Cody. Uh, two people cannot be much more different, I think, than Gene <laughs> Kelly and Michael Perrin. It's, I, I mean. That's great. That's uh, I think fun. Donald O'Connor definitely, definitely. Rick Moranis. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, Billy Fish. I yes. think he could hold that part up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see that mashup any day. Yeah, like in Neon Torchies, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's the Sid Charisse and Gene Kelly dance takes place at Torchies. You just didn't know. <laughs> didn't see the outside. Oh, bad. Yeah, so. I mean, I definitely need to go back and watch Brigadoon because I have no memory of Sid Charisse in it. <laughs> and I love her dancing. So even if the movie's long or it's dated, I know Brigadoon has great music. I saw a wonderful production of it when I was younger. Um, Even if it didn't have that, just to watch her dance with Gene Kelly is completely worth it to me. And who knows? We'll go for those Fred Astaire movies, too. You know, that could have... You know, I love... I haven't watched that much Fred Astaire. We easily could have done Top Hat. Top Top Hat is an amazing movie Mm -hmm. um, and a great... Just musical, great story. Yeah. Astaire and Rogers are like the team of teams. Um, but yeah, I, I really think that that is maybe the thing I'm taking away from Singing in Rain this time that maybe I hadn't taken away before is I really do want to go see some more Sid Charisse. Yeah. Because I've always liked that Broadway melody sequence, but for some reason this time I just really got smacked down by that scarf dance and how great it was. And it really makes me want to see more Sid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you. I think that was our discussion on Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And 
you know, next week we're going to do an Easter-themed musical episode uh, where we watch again for the million and a half time. Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes. Yeah, that's an awesome musical. I was in it. I was Caiaphas. We saw a screening of it out here in L.A. Yes. And we were there with Ted Neely and Yvonne Elliman. Yes. And then Dave Foley showed up for the screening from Kids in the Hall. So it's like, it's kind of a dream come true. Which was the second time I've seen Dave Foley. Um, It was also a sing-along of Jesus Christ Superstar. And I was like four seats away from Ted Neely singing. And it was a little terrifying, but it was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, just some really great music in that. Uh, of course, it's themed for the time of year. Um, it's funny because my family really did not like that movie. Oh, yeah? So I couldn't really watch it until I met you. And then you were like, oh, it's great. And mm-hmm. I kind of had like a little prejudice against it because my mom hates it <laughs> so okay. much. Okay. I think she gets really mad because Jesus, you know, gets angry. And I'm like, yeah, but Jesus did get angry. My dad kind of didn't like it, too, because he thought the apostles were jerks that just wanted to get famous. That's, it's, well, we don't want to, like, blow our whole yes, yes. You know, thing on the wrap-up of a previous episode, <laughs> so we'll save some of this for later. Yeah. But it's going to be a great episode, so be sure to tune in next week for Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, this was Singing in the Rain. We hope you had a good time. We certainly did. Mm-hmm. We can't wait to go watch Moses Supposes again. Yes. Make it part of our daily routine. 100%. <laughs> uh, and yeah, have a great, great week and stay comfy. Stay comfy, everybody.